Hey guys, so let's just jump in. Uh, this is Eve Sturgis, and you are joining me today for my podcast, Everything's Relative, where I talk about DNA surprises and how people are affected by unexpected results. Uh, so if you have been paying attention, you may have noticed a small hiatus in episodes. Um, it was like over four or five weeks that uh, I didn't get an episode out, and I'll be totally honest, that was an accident, and it was just a result of life getting busy as a mom and a therapist and a podcaster. And look, I'm doing my best, but I'm not perfect, as you know. Or if you didn't know, now you know. I'm sorry about all of that. Uh, but I promise that I have been like working on it and connecting with people and collecting their stories. It's just been a matter of putting all of the pieces together um, and getting these episodes out to you. Our producer, Shayna, who was putting everything together um, each time for the past year and a half and made it sound so cool with all the music and stuff. So she went out and got herself like a really reliable job. <laughs> so we have been transitioning with a new producer, learning each other's vibes and rhythms and um, figuring out how to put things together uh, in a little bit of a different way. So anyway, I don't know if that's interesting to you or not, but those are the reasons why there was a small break. Uh, we want to say thank you and good luck to Shayna. Goodbye. We love you. It was so fun working with you. And I learned so much about like sound editing and podcast production. And now Stephanie is editing. Uh, hi, Stephanie. She's awesome. Uh, welcome, Stephanie. It's um, really exciting to find another woman to work with. For, because for me, um, it's important to always look for women to work with first before I commit to working with men. Um, so I was so excited when I found Shayna, and then I feel really blessed that she turned me on to Stephanie because Everything's Relative is about shocking DNA, but really it's about feminism. So uh, let's get back to this episode. Um, Becky, so okay, so Becky Proudfit came into my life this past spring before the world changed into a dark, isolated pandemic place. So we were both at a conference called Alt Summit in Palm Springs. It's this great week of speakers and workshops and like keynotes and activities and parties that are all meant to encourage and support uh, like women entrepreneurs or business women or female identifying people in the modern business world, whatever that looks like. So it's like it's like all sorts of people from all walks of life. Um, from like serious business things to like new contemporary business things like being a influencer you know like there's influencers there and there's like you can go to workshops on like how to take the right pictures of your outfits but you can also go to other classes on like how to optimize your seo spreadsheets or whatever so <laughs> anyway uh it is a really lovely time uh it's in palm springs i went that's where I met uh, Becky Proudfit. Um, so, okay, so, right, so I'm just trying, sorry, I'm trying to get focused, guys. It's been a little while. It was a long day. I've had a little bit of wine. So, so I go, so I'm at this this conference in Alt, at Alt Summit in Palm Springs, um, and there was a meetup evening where tons of different people could could announce like different groups that you could go meet up at. And there was one for podcasters. So I went and um, exactly what I keep saying happens, happened, which is that I said what my podcast was about. And this woman said, 
Like, oh, that happened to me. So we got to talking. Um, she's great. Becky is one half of a kick-ass podcasting duo. I don't know if I'm allowed, if they would appreciate if I said they were a kick-ass podcasting duo, but they are really wonderful podcasting. Um, so Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit have their own program called Cultivate a Good Life. You guys go look it up on whatever podcasting platform you want. Um, they're everywhere. It's a wonderful, fun program where these two friends talk about everything and they explore life together as moms, as women, as wives, all the things in between. Um, you know, like they have great guests and they're all about being like authentic and they, um, about like, they're really honest about their achievements and their challenges and, and life. And they've just, they've been friends for a really long time and you can tell cause their chemistry is amazing and they have, they have great talks and great guests and they're really good people and they make a really good podcast. So, uh, all of that to say, I feel so lucky that I just happened to muster up the courage to go to this meetup <laughs> all by myself one night in Palm Springs and meet them. Uh, and that's where I found Becky. Um, and like for whatever it's worth, Alt Summit was the last event that m like many of us, if not all of us went to before the world like completely shut down. So there is kind of like a bittersweetness to the memories of that week that mightn't have been there if we'd all like returned to regular life. So, um, all of that is a, is a part of my relationship to Becky so she has she has four kids. I have three kids. We're all trying to survive uh, through this pandemic, and she lives in Arizona. So we we met back in March, but we finally just connected again for this call. And you guys, it's like the universe or God or whatever higher power you might believe in wanted me to talk to Becky this week because she was talking about her, but. It's another one of those experiences where she, or a person, but I'm talking about Becky, was talking directly to me, like about me and the struggles that I am facing and the feelings I am facing. And it was so meaningful. This stuff is really, really hard. <laughs> um, this shit's hard, y'all. Uh, I am not through it or over it. And I am just in as much muck as everyone else who has had their whole world turned upside down when they least expected it. And along comes Becky Proudfit, full of love, talking about her truth and what she needs for her journey and how sometimes what's good for us isn't always what's easy for us. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, and although, like, of course, I like, I say that I couldn't believe it, but I've been around enough to completely believe it. And uh, I just know that, like, we weren't meant to talk before this week because I wasn't ready to hear what she had to say. So let's roll the tape. Uh, enjoys Becky, enjoy Becky's eloquence, and I'll meet you to wrap it up in about 30 minutes. Uh, so hey, welcome. This is episode seven, season two, Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis, and I am Eve Sturgis. So let's talk about your DNA discovery. All right. Uh, yeah. Tell me. Um, you can tell the story however you want in whatever order. I, I imagine you've told it to friends or uh like or therapists or over you yes. know over, over a drink so like how do you like to tell it so for me um initially and I'll kind of get into the story later but the one thing that I knew was really important for me was to tell the story and I don't mean in, on a public forum or on my podcast or something but really be open about what was going on with the people close to me in my life because one thing I recognized really early on was um 
it could turn to shame and it, it could go a lot of different ways. And kind of my antidote for that was making sure that I was being honest with myself about how I was feeling and also open with the people around me that I loved um, so that they could be in on like this craziness that I was, that I was going through. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's so important to be open about this experience. Yeah. So do you just want me to jump in and yeah, tell, like ju- tell jump the tale? In. Yeah. Tell the tale. If you, yeah. Yeah. Just okay. do it. And then I'll probably interrupt if there's okay, perfect. that come up, but mm-hmm. you just tell it, you just tell it how you tell it. Okay. Perfect. Um, so I have been interested and really fascinated with genealogy for well, probably seven or eight years now. And I had utilized um, online resources to find pictures and documents to kind of um, document my family. I thought it would, it's a really interesting work. And if you've ever done it, it's like falling down the greatest kind of rabbit hole because mm-hmm. you start and like two hours later, you don't, it, you know, it feels like. Right. You don't even know where passed. you were. Right. Right. So it's, it's kind of this really fun intellectual study for me. And so I had documented over 2,500 people and I kind of reached a point in my, in my genealogy that I kind of just had roadblocks. Like I had yeah. gone back as far as I could go and um, I knew 25? that I was going to have yeah. I'm sorry. Can we go back? Can we, can we go back to that number that you just dropped really casually? Yeah. 2,500 people in your family? Well, so when you're doing genealogy, you do your direct lines and then it kind of yeah. starts to branch out. So it starts right, to get really wide when you add it, add in spouses and, you know, my husband and his family. And so okay. Um, okay. it kind of started getting really wide, but I was having depth yeah. problems. Like I could okay. not get past a certain a certain depth. And I knew I was going to have to go to Europe or start employing like some of these pretty rash tactics. And that wasn't a super big reality for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, we were actually traveling with friends. We were in Iceland and we were talking about genealogy and there's on different websites you can access like how you're all related. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was trying to access one of those and everyone in the car was related and I had the most genealogy done. And I was like, how is this even like numerically possible for me not to be related to anyone in this car by 12 generations or whatever? And so I bought the DNA test, uh, DNA test from one of the online um, genealogy sites solely because I just thought it would be fun to see if that could like break me through the walls that, that had kind of come up in my research. Right. And literally that was it. So I took, you know, took the test, bought the test, took the test, mailed the test in and seriously forgot about it. And then when the test results came back in, um, it, it showed a bunch of cousins I didn't know, which really was what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And it showed a first cousin that I had never heard of. But my first reaction was, um, you know, we live in Phoenix. And so I mm-hmm. thought, oh, the sample probably set in a really hot mailbox, like, (laughs) right. Like maybe it cooked weird or uh, I laughed because my daughter, my daughter said, mom, I just don't understand. If you take a DNA test, like what if you ate a hamburger right before, doesn't that show you're going to be related to cows or something? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So many questions. Like, I mean, especially when the results come back with something you don't expect, like I think our brains just start to like put pieces, all the wrong pieces together, but they don't know, you know, just like, just, so even yeah. even after I had the results and I knew there were people in my cousin list that I didn't know, but truthfully, I totally expected that. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just cast it out of my head. I had just finished um, chemotherapy for a cancer um, that I had. And so it was just okay. not the first thing on my head. 
And right. I went home um, to New York where I'm from. And I was talking to my mom about genealogy and, um, and, and what I had found. And she said she had no idea, you know, who, who these people were. And so I went home again and just kind of like forgot about it, sat on it and really didn't think much of it. And so the next time I went to go do some work on genealogy, I pulled it up and I was noticing some inconsistencies as I was accounting for these new cousins that were genetically related to me. And Mm -hmm. so I called my mom and I was like, mom, I'm so frustrated. Like, I don't know what I did wrong. I think I like messed the test up or something. And I was like, literally the only way for this to be true is if dad is not my father. And she stopped and was like, didn't say anything. And mm. I literally said it like, there's no way that could be true. Right. <laughs> this is the and most absurd idea on the planet. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she kind of got quiet and was, and said, well, there's a, there's a chance he's not your father. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? you could have said anything to me and I would have believed it over that statement. Like there was just right. no way that I thought that that could be true. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I can relate um, to that. Yes. And then immediately I felt such a surge of love for my mom because as my brain started to wrap my mind around what that meant and what that meant for my mom and for my dad, like I felt so, I was just overwhelmed with love for them in, in a way that I have never been before because I felt like I understood so much better. And so Mm. I just, I just said to my mom, you know, this doesn't change anything. Like, don't, I'm fine. And I re- I really, truly was okay. It was more interesting data. And so I got off the phone with my mom and I, ca- I called my husband and I was like, you are not going to believe this. And, did she explain um, anything at that time? Or did you just say like, I love you? So she said, she said that she had had an affair mm-hmm. and that she um, did not remember like his name or she only knew his first name and didn't remember any details. And for me, I was just so like reeling from the event that I didn't ask any more questions. And so I I called my husband and I told him what was going on. And he was just as shocked as I was. And, um, he reminded me though, he was the one that kind of brought me into remembrance that like I had an appointment with my oncologist in a few days later And because of, I had, um, a really rare, weird kind of cervical cancer, but when you have cancer, they do intensive, um, medical histories of your family, like generations back, because it can actually impact like the kind of treatment they give you or, um, you know, just different things. If you have a breast cancer history, there's different things they have to add into your chemo and surgery schedules and, you know, the way that they track you and all that stuff. And so, he said, honey, we have to find out who your dad is. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a real person. And I have to, I like for my health, I have to find him. And so I hopped on social media and my mom had shared his first name. And then when I called, I called her back uh, a few hours later and I was <laughs> like, mom, I need more information. And I was like, I need locations. I need anything. And, and it turns out that she did have his last name. She was just so shocked from that phone call. She didn't have time to process. And so in that second phone call, she was able to share his last name with me. And so, you know, I hopped right on Facebook and typed it in and found all 
um, the people under that name in the country and tried to like make connections and figure it out. And then I came across um, a profile picture of, of this man. And I thought, oh, maybe like I see some similarities. So then I went onto his account and I was looking down and I saw um, a comment made and it was like a person who had frequently commented from this girl named Sarah. And when I looked at Sarah's account, like we could be twins. Like it is the most uh, bizarre thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And so I messaged, I Facebook messaged Sarah and who is actually my cousin, my first cousin. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is so weird. I can't like, I'm having an out of body experience, even writing you this, but I mm-hmm. think that this guy could be my father and I don't know how to get in touch with him. I've had cancer. Like, it's okay. If you don't want to know me, I just need your medical information. Mm-hmm. And, um, within, I mean, 10, 10 seconds, I swear she responded back and was just so kind and so loving and so amazing. And my husband was laughing because I was like, I can't believe she's just so awesome. And my husband's laughing. He's like, because honestly, Beck, that's exactly what you would do if the if the roles were reversed. Like you'd be acting exactly like her. Yeah. Yeah. It was just another one of those like affirmations of, man, how crazy important genetics are. But um, so anyway, so Sarah was able to get me in touch with my biological father. And um, he had no idea that I existed. And we talked on the phone and I discovered I have this whole other side of my family. I still have a grandma that's alive on that side. I have cousins. Um, I have, I have two sisters that I didn't know um, I had. And so the whole experience meeting this biological father and the extended family was actually really positive. Okay. So you went and met them. So first we just talked on the phone. Um, And it was, I talked on the phone with my grandma and my biological father and my uncle and cousins. And we did that for about six months. And then about six months later, my husband and I were on the East Coast for um, a work conference. And we decided to drive up to meet them in person, just he and I. Um, And so first we met that side of the family, just he and I. And then a year later, we brought back, um, last October, we brought back our kids and they mm-hmm. were able to meet kind of the family on that yeah. side. So that was super, super fun. Super fun. And what is, um, uh, let's see, I have so many questions. Yes. Um, I'm sure you're so used to, like I so many times when I tell the story, I'm like, okay, just yes. hold on. <laughs> like Everybody hold on. <laughs> like we're going to get to that part. Like, hold on. Um, yeah. I promise. So, um, okay. So your mom still alive. Uh, is she still yes. married to, to yes. her husband? And that's who you thought was your dad. Yeah. So the dad who raised me, um, uh, my mom is still, they're still married. um, Mm -hmm. And I have four siblings and they are, they have a really, really strong marriage. And so I found out that my father, my father who raised me um, was aware of the infidelity when it happened. So that was Mm -hmm. not like a hidden thing. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't known that I wasn't his. Although Mm -hmm. as we've had subsequent conversations, he, I think, had inclinations as I was sure. growing up just because of physical resemblance. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't look like anyone in my family. And so mm-hmm. I think that physical resemblance to my biological father um, was pretty was pretty significant yeah. when he was younger. And so I think he had mm-hmm. I think he knew deep down. Yeah. I think yeah. I think they both knew deep down. I just mm-hmm. think it was so painful 
mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. didn't want to think about it. Um, no way. No and so way. just kind of pushed mm-hmm. it, pushed it away instead of finding out. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that honestly was the hardest part for me. So, mm-hmm. and you'll like, this is the most openly I've talked about it. I was talking to my husband last night and I was like, well, I can tell the filtered story or I can tell the actual real story. And I thought if there's a podcast where like the real story needs to be, it's this one. Um, because this is the place where people come and we're going through the same thing. Um, you know, in those days following when I first found out, I had a lot of anger sink in and a lot of things from my childhood became a lot more clear. And Mm -hmm. so honestly, the, the whole experience start to finish has actually been a really good one for me, not an easy one, but I feel like I know more of who I am and it makes more sense to me. Um, the way that I exist in my family and mm-hmm. I understand more. It has not been a strengthening experience for me and my parents for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. And, and yeah. I feel to a certain degree, they're still in denial about it. Um, Cause I need to talk about it. I need yeah. to talk about it and be able to talk openly about my feelings. It was, it was a really hard realization for me to realize that when I was going through cancer and needed all that medical information that my mom made a decision at that point to not share that with me. And that is really hard for me as a mother to understand. Um, and then understanding that I don't understand, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I do. I Yeah. A lot of complex feelings. Totally. Oh my gosh, Becky. Like, I mean, just, yeah, no, I want you to keep telling your story and then I'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that you, you feel willing to like share, share sort of like the, 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 the more intimate details of the experience. Cause it's so important. And I think like what I heard that really like resonated with me is that good. You said it's been a really good experience, but that doesn't make it easy. And yeah. like, that good isn't always easy. The good way, you know, um, that's, that's really huge. And I actually am really struggling. I'll just tell you some personal information about me now. And now it's going to be on the podcast. Um, yeah. uh, I'm really struggling with, with how to talk to my parents about it. And they know, I mean, they, you know, we're, we're through the knowing part, but um, I really need to talk about it. Like I really need to talk about it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sort of just in this like, just and so it's just really interesting that we're talking today like almost like maybe we were supposed to talk today because yeah um, totally because the people that I'm working through it with on my own like like a therapist for example um you know there's really a lot of like encouragement for me to just really like sort of break through that wall or break through you know break through this discomfort of I'm sort of paralyzed and yeah um, it's got to happen I know it's got to happen but um I think, I think for me, it's hard to realize that, um, my parents are very resistant to talking about it and have Mm -hmm. made the comment several times, like, no, we've gotten through this a long time ago. We don't want to talk about it. But I think Mm -hmm. when it's that difficult to talk about really highlights the fact that they actually aren't through it and probably (laughs) like really brushed it under the rug. And so it's a really hard dynamic to be in where essentially you're having to put your health and happiness over another person's and knowing that you're, you know, it is going to be a situation in their life that they're going to have to deal with in the same way that you are. And it, it feels so selfish at times to put my well-being and my need for honesty 
because I could so easily be so ashamed that I'm the product of infidelity and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all that comes with that mm-hmm. because when I found out it made a lot of um, things from my childhood, I, you know, I'll, I had a great childhood, but there were a lot of times where I felt like I took a lot of heat. My siblings didn't, I knew I was different ever. It was pretty obvious. I was different. Um, I felt like I was treated differently and, um, and kind of coming to terms with the fact that like, no, I was treated differently. They were way harder on me. And probably that was because of this subconscious shame about, about what they knew or what my mom knew about, you know, my paternity. And, um, it's hard to talk about that because I'm a mom and I I don't, I, you know, everyone does the the best they can with the circumstances kind of they're given. And so there's equal amounts of grace and complicated feelings of, um, of understanding that that is really the reason for a lot of the, you know, traumatic, not traumatic, that's probably a dramatic word, but like, you know, for the harder experiences in my childhood. And it's hard to bring that up. It's hard. I I don't want to cause my parents pain. I don't want to be disrespectful in any way. And yet I have, I have to talk about it to be able to remain healthy. And, you know, as I'm working through healing from this. Yeah. Yeah. Becky. Wow. It's complicated. It's so complicated. (laughs) It's so complicated. And, and I think also you, you reflecting back on your childhood and, um, the way for me, like the way that memories suddenly like come in, become just come into picture or come into frame and become clear. And, um, but it's such a like testimony to intuition. Yes. And like what something was, you know, that, that feeling that something, something was up. Um, and so how confusing it's nobody's fault. Like I know your parents didn't, weren't, didn't mean to do this. And I know my parents didn't mean to do this, but for me, like I've really struggled trusting myself my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that for me, like my intuition, I'm, I'm like just now having to be like, Oh no, I was right all that time. Like, I do know what I'm thinking. I do know what I'm feeling. I do. I do. There is something to be said about those feelings that, that I had nowhere to put. Um, mm-hmm. I, as you time. said that, I totally got chills. Cause I explain, <laughs> I explained that to my husband before I knew about all this, as we're, you know, raising kids together. I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't trust myself as a child mm-hmm. or as a young adult. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I didn't trust myself, but I need to have my kids trust themselves. So mm-hmm. how do we, how do we help the kids to trust themselves? Yeah. Cause yeah. That, that was something that came up so often. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think that intuition, we often doubt ourselves. Um, and I knew, I knew on every level that, that I was different. Like I, I just knew, even though I wasn't noticeably different, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I 100% know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. 100% know what you mean. On an intimate level, I am relating yes. to you. Well, and it's interesting how that's played into the work that I do now. Um, and that's why I say it's been like a really healthful experience for me because as um, I stayed at home when my kids were younger and kind of returning back to work, having the podcast, I did a lot of public speaking. And then now I've really, um, this experience kind of highlighted in, in my mind and in my life, the, the power of my intuition and the truthfulness of my intuition. Mm-hmm. And I kind of help women um, with the coaching. I do a very specific kind of niche coaching that involves basically articulating the jumble in your head and the thoughts mm-hmm. in your head and articulating that into um, 
into words and being able to create for ourselves like a script of what is actually true about us. And my intuition is a hundred percent that it's, it's essentially allowing women to be empowered by their intuition and to trust themselves. And so, you know, that work is so meaningful to me, but I don't know that I ever would have gotten there had I not had this experience. So I don't regret it to me. It feels like there's just more people to love. And Mm -hmm. even with my parents and I'm a hundred percent sure they don't feel this way. I even feel like I know my parents more authentically. Oh, um, oh yeah, totally. And I, I, I will say, I don't think it's brought us closer together because I still, we're still, you know, two years later figuring out like mm-hmm. boundaries, I don't know, or how to talk yeah. about it and probably not totally. doing a great job at it. Um, there's no play this one. There isn't. And there's so much, I feel for my mom because really healing from this means outing herself as, you know, having an affair and that that's complicated. There's a lot of people involved and that's, that's painful. And I, I'm, it makes me sad. It makes me really sad for my mom that she can't own that as part of her story and forgive herself and be okay enough with it where it becomes a meaningful part of the story and not just like, you know, this damaging awful part. Right. That's something that defines her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what do your children know, um, understand of the situation? So we were very open with our children. Um, in both of our families, there's been divorce and, you know, various infidelities. And so it's not a completely foreign concept to them. Of course, we tried to um, we tried to keep it as appropriate as possible. So they don't know like the nitty gritty details, but they do understand that I have a different biological father. And so for my older children, they understand what that means. The younger children will connect the dots when I'm not going to do that for them as it becomes appropriate. They'll probably connect those dots for themselves. Um, And we, we just shared with them that it's a really, really hard thing um, for grandma and grandpa. And it's a really hard thing for us, but that our job is to take, you know, circumstances that we find ourselves in and to love and to try to do the best we can to make it through. And, and so when we took them to meet the family, we let them know it's okay to, to have loving feelings towards them. Like, you know, this is how heavenly father makes like good things happen out of really bad circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so for them, they kind of feel like we do just that our families expanded and we get to know and love more people. And so they've really dealt with it quite well. They're pretty, mm-hmm. they're pretty into it when they got to meet, you know, another great grandma and another uncle and more cousins. My, my cousin, Sarah, who I mentioned in the beginning, yeah, um, who's probably the one that I'm, I'm closest to. She has a daughter that is literally like two days apart from my daughter. And the two of them, when they met, it was the cutest thing. It's like they're mm-hmm. Siamese twins. Like they can't, so, yeah, just so fun. And um, yeah, so it's been it's been a lot of good. And I think my kids have adjusted mm-hmm. well as we. I think if we had tried to shield them from it, it would have it would have made it way harder for me, and it yeah. would have made it harder for them too. Yeah. Well, and like we just said, we we're just talking about that intuition. How could you keep yeah. children from like knowing that something's something's going on and 
Things well, and I think when you, when you don't talk about it, essentially you're, you know, you're reaffirming a shame narrative mm-hmm. of, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't talk about this because, because we're ashamed of it. And I, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm, you know, was born from infidelity. Like I'm, right. I'm totally fine with it. I feel, I feel great about who I am and feel great about the increased understanding I have of who I am. Yeah. And, and I don't ever want to encourage them to feel like they need to keep their mouths shut about something because of me or because of, you know, I don't ever want them to be increasing in any way with shame or guilt and then burying it. And that's just not something I want them to do. And so we do the best we can to try to model how not to do that for them and hope that, you know, they'll follow a similar path. Right. Right. Doing, doing what you feel is best, doing Mm -hmm. the best you can and hoping it Right. It works out. I know. Having, having children so hard. But at the end of the day, and this was this is where I come with now, even doing this interview. At the end of the day, um, there's pain involved both ways. So there's there's pain if you tell your story of what that will mean, but there's also pain if you don't. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to decide for yourself which is the the more intolerable pain. And for me, it always and forever will be not being truthful and honest and and embracing my life. Yeah. And so that's kind of what leads me to, to talk about it is because it is what makes, it is what makes me more aligned with who I am. And it's how I don't have, you know, feelings when I'm having relationships with people like, oh, you don't, if you only knew everything, you don't even mm-hmm. know everything about right. me, you know, right. cause that essentially keeps me from having close relationships with other people. Right. Now you can just bring your, your whole authentic self mm-hmm. to the dynamic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's lovely. I think that you're right. Um, and the last thing I always ask people is, um, if somebody is listening right now that has just found out about um, their about like a D, you know, this whatever you want to call it, a DNA surprise or an NPE. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have advice for anybody or anything you wish you'd known or um, thoughts about those that that first experience? So it's kind of the same advice I'd give anyone who finds anything crazy happening in their life, whether it's, you know, um, any kind of paternity thing or cancer or any huge life change that really the, the new information is data. That's really it. Mm -hmm. The new information is data and you're the same person you were before you found out. And all this data is going to bring you is more understanding. So the data is nothing to fear. It's not like, you know, sometimes people don't go get mammograms because they are just so stressed out about finding out any information. But the cancer, if you have cancer, it exists whether or not you find out. So nothing is actually changing. You're just given more information so that you can be more intentional with how you move forward in your life. And don't be afraid of the information because information... (laughs) gives us the ability to make choices and, um, and have greater understanding and growth and all the things that we're meant to have, um, in this life. And, and it is all gonna, it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay because you are not any different. Right. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Becky, you're amazing. (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm so glad you had me on. I'm so glad to meet and so uh cool that i don't know it just feels you just never know when 
somebody is going to come into your life that is really going to maybe offer, maybe offer something as a, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how to, I don't want, I don't know how to describe what you're doing for me right now. Cause you also, you, cause of course, like this is for the podcast, but it just really feels like for some reason I was supposed to talk to Becky today for me oh, and, so and it just really feels, um, it just, it's just really, it just feels really powerful. Well, and that's kind of the, the wrap up of why podcasts like this and talking about owning our stories and talking about our stories is so impactful. I heard a quote and it said that um, your story may one day become someone else's survival guide. <sighs> and that just, it just rang so true to me because um, that's what we deal with in the work that I do is the power of stories and the power of your story right. and, and where you sit inside of your story. And the thing is, is all of it is for the good. If we, mm -hmm. if we just can be open, if we can let go of shame and just allow it to be used for the good, it will be. And the impact of conversations like these and conversations I've had with people that have been my survival guides have changed my life. And so I could never not share and offer that to someone else. Mm -hmm. Well, I, for one, I'm grateful. For that um yeah <laughs> i'm just sort of stunned i'm just sort of stunned right now um yeah i like i'll let you go back to your to your uh to your oh, distance to your distance learning parenting oh, day <laughs> distance learning oh man distance learning is a hard is a hard trial so i need to remind myself mm -hmm. That my story with distance learning right. will be someone else's someone survival else's survival guide. guide. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, thank yeah. you so much, Becky. This was so awesome. It makes you're me welcome. Feel Thanks for having me. I'm just really, um, for lack of like a better word, like tripping out about yeah. <laughs> about about like going to alt and then being at the podcast meeting yep. and then you and the, it just it just is all feeling um, synchronistic right now. So. Oh, aren't those, the, it's just so great when that happens in life, when you realize yeah. just the cyclical nature of all of these different crazy journeys we all go on. And it's such an honor to be able to play a role in the life of other people and have other people be part of my life. And we're so mm -hmm. blessed with podcasting. I mean, obviously I'm a podcaster. Podcasting is like the very best thing ever because you get to find community and support and um, get to relate to people that are going through these crazy things you imagine no one else could be going through. Right. Um, right. And it's all possible just through this, this fun new medium that we love new so much. Medium. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so grateful that you got to jump on with me today and um, I will keep you posted about when this is going to air and um, it will probably awesome. be very, it'll probably be very soon. Um, okay. And, uh, and I mean, like there's very boring details, like my, our sound editor got a new job. So I'm in the middle of a new one. So we're on this accidental oh, hiatus, but, um, things will, things will, the ball is rolling. It's just, um, yeah. a little off track right now, but everything will be up soon and I'll keep it, you know, and of course, if you think of something that you want out, I'll take it out. Or if you, Oh you know, no, you're good. All that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. This was a really big one for me. Um, so I will, I'll just be thinking about this for today. I'll be marinating in this one. And, um, we'll keep yeah. in touch too I will hear from you and um if you ever need someone to talk to I'm always here because how many people <laughs> there's so few people that have been on this crazy yeah. journey and can understand all the depths of the 
different feelings. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel really, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, so it's sort of, un, it's, it's unexpected, although what did I expect, but, um, it just, I feel really connected to you right now and it, it just feels really good. So. Crazy, right? I purposefully keep a lot of my personal story very private on this podcast, but I think, I, I think that you all know by now that if you if you've been listening that I am very much in the middle of my own DNA discovery and it's hard for everyone involved for all sorts of reasons but um, Becky showed up on Monday with wisdom that I needed to hear so I am grateful that she was willing to come on my podcast and share her story for all of you so that everyone can know that they are not alone or they can develop empathy for someone near you that's going through this or maybe someone needs to think twice before committing to keeping secrets that may affect someone in the future. But I am personally grateful that she showed up just to talk to me for me. Um, I will keep you updated as things slowly unfold in my own life. Um, I I do drop hints piece by piece for you. Um, I keep it private, but if you know what to listen for, um, there's hints along the way of what's going on. But uh, anyway, that brings me to support for everything's relative with Eve Sturgis. Uh, so I know the times are really tough for everybody. They're tough for us as well. Uh, so I don't want anyone to feel pressured, but I, and I, well, I don't know. I'm going to say this is like, I'm going to beg for this, but I also don't want you to feel pressured. Um, so whatever the balance is between me begging and you feeling pressured, there's like a sweet spot and that's where I want to be. Um, but what I would love for you to do is to support the podcast and the cool people who work on it by joining our Patreon or becoming a Patreon do you guys do you join Patreon or do you become a Patreon or is it both? I'm not sure on the verb. Uh, but anyway, the point is uh, as little as $1 is more than $0. <laughs> and we would be so appreciative for your support, whether it's a one-time donation or recurring like a couple of bucks you toss our way each month. Uh, and if you become a Patreon, what I would love to do is start offering perks to you, creating a community of like all the listeners with the guests. We can have some parties and some meetups and some Q and A's or some t-shirts or something. Um, it would just, it could be more fun, but we need more Patreons. And if you need more, if you need more episodes or want more episodes, uh, we need more Patreons. Um, I don't know how I can say it more tactfully less tactfully <laughs> more tactfully than that um so get on over there uh we are at everything we are everything's relative with eve sturgis we are a podcast um and if you can't that's okay uh instead if you really want to support us i would love it if you could go over to apple podcasts and just like rate everything's relative with eve sturgis uh give me a couple stars um and write a nice review write a note about listening and what you think that would be super, super cool. So those are the ways. Uh, oh, and another way you could be awesome is if you followed us on Instagram. Uh, so you go over to Instagram and go to Everything's Relative Podcast. And that's where all the news is going to be anyway. So that's where you should be if you want to uh, stay up to date. So speaking of up to date, I'm going to try my darndest to be back in exactly two weeks with episode eight. Stay consistent um, and do what I've been doing for the past year. Um I've got some really great stuff. I'm super excited to work with Stephanie and get all these episodes out to you. In the meantime, wash your hands, wear a mask, register to vote. Thank you so much. Goodbye. 
Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve Sturgis is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, but the conversations she has on the podcast are not therapy sessions. Logo design by Ivy McNally and music used with permission by Goodbye the Band. <laughs>